You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. We've been sitting down here just talking for a couple hours now before we went live, right, Tim? <laughs> we- I can't answer any questions till the diesel kicks in. <laughs> Uh, we both came skating in here last second. I'm trying to put a chalk talk together. It's half done. Um, but, uh, yeah, so here we are. Came this close to just going, ah, no show this morning. Let's sleep in. But something drug me out of the bed. And it's funny, too, because in the chat here, I seen Emilio in the chat said, early bird gets a worm. I went, dang, Emilio's up early. But on our side, guys, it doesn't show you guys the time. He posted that at 10.05 last night. So, my man sandbagging, acting like he was in here early. He just jumped on the stream as soon as it was created and uh, threw that in the chat. So yeah, he's he, not even up yet, man. No, you kidding me, dude? He'll, he'll no, come. We're gonna tell him man. as soon as he as soon as he does wake up. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's that's all. <laughs> Nick McSwain in the chat says, "Good morning. Needed some extra diesel to get going this morning." Crying emoji. I'm glad you're not the only one, Bob. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I should say. We got David Mitchell in the house. Says, "Happy Saturday, Packer fans." Yes, sir. Ron in here. Go Pack Go, Blake B in the house, Peter Stone. Good to see all you this morning. So I'm um, just going to, you know, listen, we're going to try to keep it, keep it short. We say that every time. We're going to try to keep it short this morning. Um, we got a couple things we want to hit on. Obviously, a little history segment where it's the offseason. We still haven't heard anything. Tim, have you heard anything on the contract front, restructure, anything like that with Jonesy yet? No. Okay. I, I thought we were, we were waiting on uh... – the 17th. Yeah, yeah Joe, Jonesy and, and Keyshawn coming up here. Keyshawn would be the 19th, right? Correct, yeah. And last year, Aaron Jones restructured his deal on February 17th, so it might be a day or two off. Here's the thing. If we get through the 19th without a restructure there, you, you, I mean, I'm going to start to get a little bit nervous because, you know, precedent matters when it comes to the Packers and the league in general. Um, you know, the fact that that contract restructure happened on the 17th last year, you would expect it to be within a three to five day window there. So if we get, you know, 22nd, 23rd, we ain't heard nothing on Jonesy's contract. I'm going to get real nervous because I, I don't even want to think about the idea of him not being on the Packers next year. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as, uh, as far as Jonesy, since we're kind of talking running backs, I know yesterday you put a tweet out. I believe it was yesterday. It was Amon Green's birthday, wasn't it, Tim? Am I thinking right? There was. Yeah. So I've seen the birthday tweet that you sent out. Um, what we're going to do is kind of lead off with that, and we will uh, – actually, we've got a couple questions coming in. Let me do this real quick, and then we'll get into a, some Amon Green talk. First of all, Dave in the chat says, uh, you should compare Sterling Sharp versus Jerry Ross's numbers through the same years. I bet it is very similar, man. I bet it is. Um, the thing about Rice is – Rice has all the hardware. He's got the rings. He's got all the numbers. He's got like – I'm not saying you're insinuating this, Dave, 
But if you are, I have to respectfully disagree. <laughs> if we're trying to say Sharp was better than Rice, I just have to – that's where I've got to step back a touch. And I'm a big Sterling Sharp needs to be in the Hall of Fame kind of advocator here. But Jerry Rice, what he did in the longevity and and the big plays, like like in the big games, how he stepped up in the Super Bowls and everything. I was watching the other night, and it came across – I was watching a draft special. I need to pull some clips from that draft special the NFL Films did. But it talks about how Jerry Rice ended up in San Francisco. And, you know, really what it came down to was the San Francisco 49ers tried to tried to trade with the Cincinnati Bengals because they had a receiver that they wanted over Jerry Rice. And the Bengals wouldn't trade with them. So basically – the 49ers, you know how we keep talking about we've got Tyler Newbin and Kinchins as our top two safeties, right? So you want to make sure you get one of those two guys. The 49ers that same year that Rice came out had three receivers that were locked at. These are our top three receivers. We've got to get one of these three receivers, the way they looked at it, okay? So they tried to trade with the Bengals. As you guys know, you know, Coach Wash and, uh, and uh, Bill Walsh were good friends. They had worked together, and they wouldn't trade – the Bengals wouldn't trade that pick. So the 49ers couldn't draft who it was that they wanted at wide receiver. So they had to settle on their third choice, which ended up being Jerry Rice. So the fact that they couldn't get that deal done is the reason Jerry Rice ended up being a San Francisco 49er. Those thin threats that, that you know, basically comprise the entire NFL draft is what makes it so appealing, right? I mean, just, you know, this close to not having the greatest wide receiver of all time. Now, if Sterling Sharp had played the same amount of years as Jerry Ross, you, you probably have a huge argument there, Dave, right? Now, still rings come into play, too. How you perform in the biggest game matters. But it sounded like Sterling Sharp was just one of those gamers, too, that he – the bigger the game, he he stepped up to, Tim. Yeah, he was clutch, man. I mean, whenever you needed a catch, you were going that way. I mean, and, you know, he was like one of those guys that was. He was unguardable at times. I mean, you had teams that knew, oh, they're, they're going to Sterling on this play, and you still couldn't stop it. You know, that's that's dominance at a position for sure. Definitely. Peter Stone says, I heard from another YouTuber that Halfley may be running something he called a Viper formation on defense. Do y'all know what that is? If so, can you guys explain? I've heard that loosely mentioned. And when I tried to ask someone who was taught, who mentioned Viper, 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 I'm like, what do you mean by Viper? And they said, well, it's, it's where he puts – uh, where he brings a nickel blitz. I'm like, so you're just talking about a cat blitz. He's referring to that as Viper. And I think what they were talking about was an extra DB maybe being in the formation. I try not to get too caught up in that stuff because 95% of the time when someone tries to paint this big picture of like, man, look at what they're doing. That's so unique. I'm always let down because I look at it and I go, bro, like there's, eight other teams in the league that does that. What are we talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But maybe we can dig into that Viper a little bit. Maybe I can do that while the video is playing here in a second and see if we can get a specific explanation. But I haven't dug too deep. And, and one of the reasons, too, is I didn't want to get too deep into the Boston College tape because it's, you know, Halfley has pretty much said it in any interviews. you got to coach in the NFL totally different than you coach at the college, at the college level, the plays are going to be the play call is going to be night and day difference, right? That's why he ran so much man in college, and one of the reasons is, you know, you've got the difference in the hash marks, right? So the field is a little bit easier to cover as opposed to the NFL, where you got a huge field side, huge field side. So uh, we'll di- we'll do a little dig in there, Peter, and see if we can uncover it. If anybody knows in the chat, fire away. I, I, I'm you know I don't mind to talk about it since it's what you guys want to talk about. It's just I haven't look too deep into that Viper terminology. Nick McSwain says, Clayton, quick question. I wanted to study how the game has evolved over the years scheme-wise. Any good sources? Man, it's tough because, you know, what you learn about scheme and scheme change over the years, you got to kind of kind of think of the right way to say it. you got to kind of put in the work. You know, the reason I know John Madden created the 34 defense is because I studied John Madden specifically and – on his A Football Life episode, it talked about how he created the 34 defense. If I hadn't seen that little 30-second clip on Football Life, I wouldn't know that he created the 34 defense, right? The reason that I know that um, Tom Landry created the 43 defense is because I studied up on Vince Lombardi, and Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry were actually assistants together on the New York Giants 
Tom Landry being the defensive coach, Vince Lombardi being the offensive coach. And it talked about in that documentary on Vince Lombardi that Tom Landry created the 4-3 defense. So, so, so what you're saying is starting studying some coaching trees and coaching history would be a good, probably a good place to start, right? Absolutely. So I wanted to study how the game has evolved over the years, scheme-wise, any good sources. What I would do, if you if you want to do it in video terms, right? What I would do is go to YouTube and I would search NFL football 1920s. Okay. And you're going to have to mute it from time to time. And when they show clips, which are going to be really rare, when they show clips, pause it and look at the formation. Look how the defense is lined up. Look how many guys they have on a line of scrimmage. Look how many guys' hands are in the dirt, those type of things, right? You got to do the dirty work. Um, you got to, you, that's, that's how you really learn about, because, you know, let's face it, the way sports media is today, it's how can we create an argument? Because that's going to get viewership. How can we find a hot button topic that's going to, you're going to have, you're not going to have people in the middle going, yeah, I can see both sides. It's going to be, I agree with him or, and that guy's an idiot, or I agree with him and that guy's an idiot. That's all you're going to get. So you really got to kind of dig in deep yourself. I would start with the twenties. If there's not much there, then just top in 1930 NFL football, 1940 NFL football, 1950 NFL football, go find some of the greatest games in history. It really, you have an, a pretty easy time finding footage around the 60s. When you get into the 1960s, that's when the NFL films really ramped up. And you can, I'm telling you, you just see one clip, one highlight, pause it, and look at the formation, look at the sets. And then what you can do, this is how my mind fires, because I'm, I'm a history nerd, and it's why Mandy refers to me as the stick in the mud. But the way I do this, let's say I go and pull up a 1960s tape, right? And let's say it's the Giants versus the Packers. Or let's say it's the let's say it's the Giants versus the Baltimore Colts, something like that, right? So pull that up, see one highlight reel, pause it, look at the formation and go, okay, what does that look like? That looks like a 5-2. Or that, you know, maybe that looks like a modified 4-3 at the time. All right, cool. Who was the coach in Baltimore that year? Google that coach, and then you'll get that coach. Look at his coaching history. Who did he coach under? Where did he come up? Who were his? Who were the coaches that spun off of his tree later on? And I'm telling you, you're off and running. I love doing that. Love doing that. There's a, a channel that I've been watching here recently. This might be the best starting point for you, uh, Nick. There's a YouTube channel that if you type in just NFL coaching trees, you'll probably see. I think it's called NFL Ancestry or something like that. And it literally breaks down all the trees. It breaks down the Mike, Mike Shanahan tree. That's the one I would start with if I were you. And then that'll kind of lead you into, okay, this coach was good. That coach was good. What was their scheme? If you just Google that coach and that scheme, that scheme will pop up. And then you could probably Google the history of that scheme. Um, that's how I would start. But it's kind of like I'm big into the Revolutionary War. I'm big into colonial American history. Um, it's embarrassing how much I enjoy it. And people say, where do I start? Where do I start? And this is what I always recommend. Go get David McCulloch's book called 1776. And I said, you can you can start there and go forward or you can start there and go backwards. And any little battle, any little any little tidbit of history you come across, pause what you're doing and dig into that. And it just I mean, it just branches off. Football's the same way. So um, hopefully that answered your question, man. But yeah. Let's see. Uh, Malik Whitmore in the chat says, how would we feel about Jamal Adams if he gets cut? I know how I feel about Malik or uh, about Jamal Adams, Malik. I want to get Tim's take without me giving my opinion first. Do you know much about Jamal Adams? Obviously, safety that got drafted by the Jets. Um, I'm trying not to give away my my opinion. Um, got drafted by the Jets and then obviously ended up going to Seattle. Um, what's your take on him? Anything on the surface? Just just on the surface, Tim. No, not much. Okay. Not not familiar with him. I will say I want to go to the draft for our safeties this year. Um, so I'm a little biased. What so we're we're assuming he gets cut. We're talking about picking him up on on the waivers or on uh, uh as a free agent. What free are we, agent probably yeah. I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. Let me uh I'll go pull him up real quick. I'll I'll tell you, first of all, um I studied him extensively. Um, let's see, Jamal Adams, right? Let's see here, PFF. Let me get this in here real quick. I studied him extensively when he came out in the draft, and I'll tell you why I did. 
he was he was supposed to be like a top five pick, and I think he might have went like in the top five. I'm trying to remember. I just remember everybody talking about how this guy's leadership. He is he is a man's man. He's the leader in the locker room. He's that dude. He is that dude, right? Is he the is he on the right side of 30 though? How old is he? Um that's the question. Yeah, we're gonna find out right here. He's uh 28 years old. Okay, all right, okay. But I want to say this, Tim. That was the that was the the big scouting report on him, right? And he's a hard hitter. He's kind of that run defender top safety. It did not work out that way with the Jets. They pretty much ran him out of town, and he was the opposite of a leader. This is how I remember it playing. Out. That's probably more of an indictment on the Jets organization. You would think it, that, right? Than but it is on him, right? He goes to Seattle. Similar, like. It's not that they wanted to run him out of town, but just hasn't panned out. Let me give you an example of what I mean here. PFF grades, okay, 2017 with the Jets, 65.8. Uh, 2018, 89.8. 2019, 87.9. So he graded out as an 87.9, and then he goes to Seattle, gets traded to Seattle. Think about that. Like he, he had an elite PFF defensive grade, right? He goes to Seattle, 64.2. 60.1 in 2022 he jumped back up to an 87.0 mainly because of his tackling and his coverage which is really surprising because he's never been a good cover safety right last year tim this in the 2023 season for seattle 54.9 yeah so tackle grade too he's supposed to be like this hard-hitting tackler 29.9 um again my my initial reaction is no um, and, and when you look at his PFF grades by week, it looks like he only played in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games last year. Uh, his defensive grades went 78.1, and 27.2, 55.9, 76.2, 55.7, 54.4, and 27.3. Um, you know, what would his fair market value be? That's kind of hard to tell, seeing he's not actually a free agent. It might show it on Spotrack. I'll try to pull that up real quick. But, Tim, it sounds like you've made your mind up, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I'm good. Why are we – yeah. Right. I, I've heard enough now. And you see with the elite grades from time to time, that's why people are like, hey, what about him? And, and I get it. It makes sense, right? Like it's you you want to explore all options. But, uh, yeah, I just – I'm not, not that big on it. And you talk about cap hit-wise – this was his cap hit, okay? Uh, last year, $11.4 million. Of course, he, he ended up on IR. He ended up on IR in 2022. He ended up on IR in 2021 as well, by the way. Um, 2024, his cap hits $26.9 million, which is probably why they're looking to move on. Um, and then uh, in 2025, it goes up to $27.9 million. So to give you an idea of what his value has been market-wise, they signed him that huge contract, and uh, – yeah, it just hasn't hasn't worked out for Seattle, obviously. So um, it looked like his last year, his last deal was four years, seventy point five million, uh, twenty one million guaranteed at signing, twenty million dollars signing bonus, average salary is seventeen point six, total GTD is thirty eight million, and like I said, he's scheduled to be a free agent in twenty twenty six. But it sounds like they may move on from it. From Seattle's cap standpoint. Um, you know, his cap hit is twenty six point nine. The dead cap attached is twenty point eight. So they're going to free up about five almost six million dollars by just cutting him out right if he's not going to get traded and there may be a team that trades for him right that's that's definitely possible but uh again i'm just not a big not a big fan of jamal adams i'm what i'm sick of guys i'm sick of missed tackles and blown coverages i don't need the superstar running around making ed reed plays i need a geno stone i need an alohi gilman i need someone who's just going to play fundamentally sound and do their job. That's what I want. And you can get those guys at the tune of, you know, to the tune of three to seven million dollars per, right? You don't have to go out and spend whatever it may be for someone like a Jamal Adams. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely even not interested. Twenty million. What's that? If there's even an ounce of toxicity to this dude, as far as right. you know, being a locker room problem or anything, I, I'm I'm over it. I don't care. <laughs> especially especially with the numbers we just went over. It's not worth it at all. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Let's see here. Tim in the chat said sharp equals goat. Dude, that is a huge jump of rationality. There you go. All right, Blake, 
Uh, I think someone else was saying oh, you know, okay. to Jerry Rice. Awesome. I remember correct. Blake B said at Michigan, talking about Jeff Halfley at Michigan, it was it it was what's called a hybrid space player, a box safety type that can do it all. If you remember Jabril Peppers getting Heisman hopping in 2016, it was his position. Gotcha. So what a lot of teams are doing now is playing with three safeties. When you see these this high percentage of nickel and dime sets, they're doing something similar, right? Um, I remember, too, that you guys remember when Joe Barry was hired? It was, you know, with this Fangio scheme, they have a star defender. Do you remember that, Tim? They, they got a position called star, yep. and, and that's that's what Jalen Ramsey did with the Rams, and it was so awesome. I turned on the tape, and I'm going, these people have made this up out of thin air. <laughs> you know what star, where that, where that came from? Star was something, it's been called that. Is since like way back in like the 50s, the Detroit Lions of all teams had what they referred to as a star defender. That star defender, all he was was the nickelback. He was the slot corner. That was it. And and everyone tried to paint this picture like this star defender was going to be this just hybrid, out-of-this-world Jalen Ramsey top row. Everybody was like, that's going to be Jair Alexander. He's going to do what Jalen Ramsey did. And, uh, and all it was was them putting one of their best corners in at the nickelback position. And obviously Jair hurt his shoulder making a tackle. And then we threw that whole nickel, you know, slot corner idea out the window. Um, but as far as that, that, uh, that Viper stuff, man, you know, think about Brian Branch in Detroit, similar, right? Coming in the draft, was he a safety? Is he a corner? To the best of my knowledge, what they did with Brian Branch was they played him the majority of the time in that nickel spot, but then he could play safety in the base. Doesn't that sound like what we're describing as a Viper? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Player, like, it goes on all around the league, you know. Yeah. Um, what I am finding, and not that you're doing this, Blake, but... Um, I'm finding that people who are huge, huge, huge Jeff Halfley fans that go back to kind of the one year, the cup of coffee you have with Ohio State, they're trying to build up this, this Babe Ruth type, you know, persona about Jeff Halfley that he's just this man. You know, it, this dude is going to revolutionize the game. And I go back and look at the numbers and everything. I'm going, it, it sounds like he's a great DBs coach, and I think he's going to be an upgrade over – over Joe Barry, but this idea that we're going to come in and run these exotic looks and all of a sudden we're going to run more man coverage than anyone ever has in the history of the game. And we're going to blitz more than anyone has. And, you know, all those things is like, 
you know, we, we brung five rushers fifth most in the league last year. Like <laughs> this idea that Jeff Hapley's going to come in and all of a sudden it's going to be a zero blitz scheme is just uh, <laughs> not true. And if you trace those comments back and go, okay, well, who said that originally? Who said it? I'm telling you, it almost always comes back to someone who's trying to sound smarter than they are. And they're an Ohio State fan or they're, a, you know, they're, a, you know, a Boston. I watched them at Boston College and, man, you guys have got a, you know, a dog. And it's like, okay, cool. So their defense ranked kind of bad at Boston College. And then then it turns into, well, he didn't call plays at Boston College. Okay, so it wasn't his defense at Boston College. <laughs> and, again, it's not to dog Jeff Halfley. I think it's going to be a big upgrade. I think I love what I'm seeing. It's just when you – Peel the onion back one layer. What you find is people getting hopped up over a guy that they're excited about, and they try to build up this persona that's just bigger than it actually is. Ryan Ryan Schlipp has done an excellent job. I was listening to his podcast a couple of days ago, and uh, just the way he's diving in because he Ryan's mind fires in an analytical way. Like, what did the numbers say? Forget the emotions. Forget the fanboy, you know, the college fanboy guy here for a second. Yep. What what do the facts actually say here? And that's what he leans into, right? And it's why you never get a hot take from Ryan or you never get an extremely cold take. It's usually right there in the middle. And maybe that is boring um, to some people because they're so used to turn on ESPN. But I think that's what listeners are really looking for right now. Serious football fans that want to understand what's actually happening in the game and around, around the Packers. But uh, appreciate that, Tim. If you guys uh, want to check out the Packernet podcast, just scan the QR code in the upper right. That'll send you directly to uh, you know a, a multitude of, of links to your favorite platform for getting podcasts. You can get this podcast in audio form, but more importantly, you can get Ryan's Packernet podcast, and you can get Packernet After Dark on there. You get Jake Shavink, who was on with us last night doing a quick mock. You can get uh, his podcast. It's always draft season podcast. Really good stuff on there. Uh, we're definitely we're really, really proud to be a part of the Packernet Podcast Network for sure. So just scan that QR code. If you're ever on the go and you want to listen to it in podcast form, you can find all that content there for sure. So um, thank you for explaining that, Blake, and what that means by, you know, uh, Viper and that hybrid space player. Um, again, it's not – I don't think it's anything that's going to be new to the league, um, but uh, it's important to kind of understand it too. Who would be that player? Let's say he did come in and say, all right, we're going to have one player that's going to play Viper, which is going to be a hybrid space player. Um, again, Darnell I don't know Savage. exactly what that means, but what's that? Darnell Savage. Kind of feels like it. That's the first person that comes to mind for me. He's got the athletic ability to kind of move around. Um, but here we are again, man. Here we are again going into another offseason talking about Darnell Savage is going to be the key piece in the secondary. And, Tim, it just <laughs> it never pans out, man. No. It's it's driving me crazy because everybody wants him to be good, right? Like I want him to be, I want him to be so good. It just never works out. I'm gonna go take a quick look at his PFF grade real quick. I want to see exactly where he finished because I thought he finished around 75 last year, but I was wrong on that. His overall grade for the regular season was 66.3. Okay, so that's better than Jamal Adams, though. So I'll 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 stick with Sav all day. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that hurts, though, about Savage is when you look at how he got to a 66.3, it was kind of up and down. Let's go – and he missed some time, but the weeks he did play, 73 5, 51.8, 63.2, 51.9, 60.8, 58.6, 85.0 5. against Kansas City, right, 57.9, 56.7, and 69.9. And then, of course, you had the playoff game that he just was played outside of his mind, which is awesome. You want to see that in the big game. But the point I wanted to make there is like week one. Okay, let's do it this way. He graded out in the 80s one game. That was against Kansas City. He graded out in the 70s one game. That was week one against Chicago. It's been a long time since that's happened, right? He graded out in the 60s one, two, three times. He graded out in the 50s one, two, three, four, five times. So he's he's had more games that he's graded out in the 50s than he did the 60s. And again, you've got you've got to set your floor at the safety position. I get that, right? You know, and, and that's why I'm on board with signing him for that right price um, of somewhere between, you know, four to five million dollars. I'm totally cool with it. But yeah, there you go. So interesting stuff. Again, Blake, thank you so much for explaining that, man. Uh, let's see here. David in the chat says Savage was the number one rated safety in the playoffs. That's right. He was the number one rated safety in the playoffs. We hit on that yesterday. 
that was one game, right? And it was a big game. And that really says a lot that he stepped up, um, you know, in the biggest game. And it's like, at the same time, what did he do all year? Okay, you had this elite game against the Cowboys. And then what did he do in the last game against the 49ers? He dropped a big six, right? Like, that that stuff matters, you know? It sucks, but it matters. Uh, there you go. Jake Shavink in the chat said, uh, Illinois had a had the star for a while. There you go. Yeah, so, uh, again, it was cool kind of digging back. If you guys Google Detroit Lions star, star defense, um, maybe maybe star position, and you'll see what I was talking about. It'll pull something up from the 50s where, where, play, where teams have done that for so long, for sure. So, um, Tim, I believe, is talking about Savage. says, past the expiration date. Um, if if we had other options at safety in the room right now, I would uh I would probably agree with you, but the way it sits right now, I'm kind of that's why I'm leaning toward maybe bring him back. You bring him back, you got Anthony Johnson Jr. Now you can go draft a couple safeties. Maybe you could sign one of these free agency safeties, whether it's Geno Stone or it's like I said, a Lohi Gilman who's who's played with uh Ansley out there in uh, in L.A. So that might be another way to go about it too. Um, let's see what else we had here. Blake B in the chat said there was no Packer net after dark this morning, sadly, but thankfully I got good morning Lambo in my headphones while I get some chili ready in a slow cooker. That's what I'm talking about. Now we got some snow flying out here right now. It'd be a good day to make some chili here. What's the weather looking like up there, Tim? It's cold, man. It's like nine degrees. I tried this one chili and it set my mouth on fire and I had to drink a two liter of Mountain Dew. I can't forget when we got that drop, man. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, you mentioned the birthday boy yesterday, right, Amon Green? Um, nope. I thought, you know what, let's play, pay a little uh, pay a little respect, put some respect on Amon Green's name here. This play comes from December 28, 2003, and uh, it's a 98-yard touchdown run. Check this play out, guys. It's absolutely awesome. There you go, man. You love to see it. Love to see it. And we've got a chalk talk ready here too, Tim. We're just going to hit it. Go. You ready for this? And again, um, we're not going to dive too deep. I was up against the gun, so I couldn't. I couldn't get uh, all the way in there and uh, and break it down the way I wanted. But you can kind of get the idea. There is something unique here that I want to point out. That's really really cool. Is this formation? What you would call this play? I would call it twenty-two U seventy-one bacon. I write misdirection. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. I wish Emilio was in here because he would talk about the numerical system and everything. Basically, you've got I think it's your your odd numbers run left, your even numbers run right. And the the, the gap in which it's designed for the for the run play to go is kind of how you break that down. So like if it was if it was designed to go to the left, your first gap on the left would be with the odds of being on the left would be like a one. The second gap would be a three. Right on the right side, it would be a two and then a four. Um, you throw in like the running back numbers too. Some systems use, uh, you know, the twenties as the running back, so the first number would be a two. Others I've seen them they use the four as the tailback in an I formation set, so it gets a little bit wonky there. But this play, if you were to break it down like that, I think what it would be called would be. Uh, 22, U71, Bacon, I right, and then you would probably go two for the halfback getting the ball. It's a right run, and it looks like they end up in the tackles gap, so that would be one, three. So it would be 22, U71, Bacon, I right, 23, misdirection, okay? Now, this sets up like it's a lead play, Tim, but let's break down what U71 means, okay? First of all, 22 set, what is that, guys? Two running backs, right? You got your – Yep. You got your, it's 22 and it's U71 bacon. So you're 22. There's your two running backs. There are your two tight ends. Some of you guys are going, wait a minute. That looks like a big boy there in the middle. It is. Guess what U71 means? And we heard Mike Wall talk about this, right? U71 bacon was their formation that they called. You guys remember the other day? I'm trying to think of the nickname 
that Andy Reid used for uh, McCole Hardman. Do you remember what that was, Tim, on the Chalk Talk? I've, I've already forgot it. He had a name. I, I know Mahomes said it right after the game. Yeah, yeah. He, he, had, a, he had a name for that specific package, and Andy Reid said that means McCole's in, right? So with that being said, U71 Bacon, first of all, what it means is 71 is the U, okay? 71 was Kevin Barry's number out of Wisconsin. Big old boy, like 340, 350-pound line. I mean, he was absolutely huge. Mike Sherman, who loved to run power football and gap gap run, heavy sets like this, he would put Kevin Barry in it tight in, and they would call it U71 Bacon. You're going, now, how did you know that, Clayton? Mike Wall told us that on our a live on air. Guess who's right over here playing right guard? Mike Wall, okay, and he talked about them running U71 bacon. Now, I write, what does that mean? The right side is the strong side of the formation. That's where your two tight ends are, right? You've only got one wide receiver. Heck of a set here, ain't it, Tim? You love to see this. Twenty two. Denver looks like they're ready for it. I mean, yeah, they, they got are. a lot of guys in the box. Now, check out the misdirection aspect. I'm glad you pointed that out. Misdirection, what does that mean, okay? Some people would refer to this as counter. To me, I've always been told counter is when you've got a pulling – lineman with you, right? This sets up like it's going to be what you would refer to as a 23 lead, okay? Or a 23 ISO, if you will. And, and some people, the terminology gets a little bit fuzzy. Don't get too hung up on it. With an ISO or a lead play, your fullback is going to lead, right? And when we say three, odd numbers are to the left. The A gap will be one. The B gap would be three, right? And then the C gap will be five. So you're going to the three in between the guard and the tackle. The fullback's going to lead in here, right? And look at how the backers are already stacking up. It's like they've seen something on film. Look how they're kind of cheating in this direction, but look how they got five an extra guy on the line of scrimmage over here on the strong side, right? So you can see them kind of cheating. The ref over here is about to get killed. I don't know what he's thinking getting in there with all that. <laughs> My God. I see him Denver with the hat count. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're right. So – Watch as we play it. We're going to play it really, really slow motion here. I apologize for it being so grainy, but it's going to be worth it. Watch the fullback. Ball's going to be snapped by Brett. Look at the backers cheating up. They know what's happening right here. This is a first and 10 play. You're just trying to get some extra room. See the fullback lead? Look at all the backers flow, Tim. Yep. Now They're All going that way. Now, I want you to key in on Brett Favre. Watch how – look how he's – it's like he's going to stretch this ball out, right, and they're going to run it left. They're going to go BC left most likely, okay? So watch. Now look at him come back. See the misdirection? Yep. So now you got the whole defense thinking this play is going right here, right? Because that's where the lead blocker is. That was the action by the quarterback initially. Now you're getting a counter set up. Put your foot in the ground and cut back. This is what he did so well, right? Now, again, you see the hat count. If you were to draw it out and look at the hat count, I mean, the hat count obviously – Huge disadvantage on the left side. Look at this cluster of guys over here, right? And look at the hat count on this side of the ball. If we were to draw a line right now through the middle, look at the hat count on this side of the field right here. I mean, you've got what? One, two, maybe three. That's yeah, it? maybe three. Look at this defensive lineman completely faced inside. He's trying to sell off a cut back there. Now, remember what we said, U71 Bacon? He in on Kevin Berry right here, okay? Look at what he does. Watch how he swings this guy inside. Here comes the misdirection. Look at Kevin Barry. Bro. Wow. Oh, my. And wait, it ain't over yet. Watch him, watch him body slam this dude. Get on the ground, boy. Look at that. You said one, too. He took that backer out. Absolutely. And I, it's too grainy to see here. I'm wondering if that's Bubba Franks right here. I don't know who the tight end might have been right Again, this is 2003. I think Bubba was on the team then. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this tight end does a great job right here, too, with the DB. I think that's a safety that's up on the line. It could be a backer. But uh, watch him kick his block outside, too, right here. Watch him sell off. Look at him get his back to the running back, sell it off, bury with the pancake. Yeah, I mean, that's everything right there. Huge, man. And if all he people misses that block on the outside, man, that plays over. Yeah. And, Tim, all people see is this. Yo, yeah, yeah. nobody. They don't see none of this stuff in the middle, right? And this is what we you had. Um, we had Peter Stone said uh, corn dog was what they called it. That's what you were thinking of for Kansas City. That was the play. They called yeah. it corn dog, they but they it. had the formation set was called something. Oh. I as many notes oh. as I have. 
So corn dog. Okay, maybe he was just describing Travis Kelsey then. Okay, I got it. Corn dog. Yeah, the I've got it right here. Tiger. It was called Tiger Twelve. Tiger. The play, okay. the play was called corn dog. And when he read it off to Peter King, he said, Tiger 12, Tom and Jerry Wright, gun trips, right bunch, F shuttle. Okay. And ended up being a, uh, what we would have called 12 gun, bunch, nasty X, strong right, F yo yo, play action, sprint right, F flat. But yeah, that was called Tiger. That meant that McCole Hardman was going in the game. And this was what he referred to as a one way play, right? And what it meant was it was sprint right. There is no backside progression. It's sprint right. Look to the F. If the F isn't there and you can't run it in, throw it away. It's the old Joe Montana West Coast offense approach to the sprint right that he hit Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone during the Super Bowl way back in the day. But uh, thank you so much for uh, bringing that up about corn. If you hadn't said corn dog, I looked down and seen written in red corn dog. I went, there's my notes. So it was Tiger 12 is what they refer to. And that's 12 personnel, Tiger 12. So it was Tiger meant McCole Hardman goes in. 12 is one running back, two tight ends. So. What a brilliant call by Andy Reid at the oh my God, at the time and, and to yeah. to go with Hardman, who has been kind of off the radar. Definitely. Knowing everyone would forget about him, which is exactly what happened. I absolutely love that we got halfway through a Chalk Talk segment and went back and talked about a play from the Super Bowl. I can't tell you how much I enjoy this. Like, it's just cool to draw the parallels and how you, you people are starting to understand the terminology and the different nicknames and what they mean and everything, right? Yep. So, again, as we roll that forward, though, Kevin Berry, huge block there, sealed it off to the inside. And the other thing, too, is look at the action. Look at the, the play action, if you will, the fullback and Brett selling the fact that this was going to be a, a run to the left side. And I want you to watch how it pulls this safety up into the box right here. Watch this guy get pulled up, too. Just key in on him. Look at nothing else. Now with your mind, you know it's a misdirection play. You know Brett's going to sell the action. You know what Barry's doing everything. Just key in on this safety right here, okay? Watch him as we roll the tape here. See, he bites. All right, cool. I got to sell off my backside. Look, he right here he's like, oh, oh crap. Because <laughs> you, you know what? Me. Brett never gets a lot of credit for this type of stuff. He doesn't. And, you know, right. he, you, you've seen interviews where he talks about him and dad back in the, the high school days where he had him running the wishbone all day and yep. he, wouldn't let, he wouldn't let Brett throw the ball. Well, that translated to his pro game because Brett was a master at these these handoffs and these, and these play fakes. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. sells it right here. That's everything. Yeah. I mean, the blocking's on point, too, but that, that play fake, that misdirection. Oh, it's it's you're right. It's everything. It's huge, man. The other thing too is that safety gets pulled up here. The reason he gets taken out of the play is because Kevin Barry gets that pancake look. Yep. That, that he can do nothing. Barry just absolutely annihilates that guy. That poor guy by by uh, Amon though too. Oh yeah, dude. Like he Amon didn't even fully good. plant that. He doesn't even fully plant that left foot. He just kind of hops it and he's yep. out. Bang. See ya. Yep. Didn't even get touched, man. <laughs> He's off to the freaking race. And then I like at the end of the play, too, where, where you think for just a brief second that someone might catch him here, and then Amon just kind of turns on the afterburner a little bit right around the 20. Yeah, right about like, here. Bye. You ain't getting me. Yeah. <laughs> just enough. Just enough, man. God, I love it, dude. Again, that play, that's, that's one, of the, one of the biggest plays that I remember for Amon Green. That was in 03 when he just – I mean, he went absolutely off. This was the year, guys, that I became a Packer fan. So I experienced this entire year. I became a fan of the Packers um, preseason of that season. I Like I told you guys a hundred times, I bought a documentary on it, on the Green Bay. What is this Green Bay Packers about? What's the history of the Packers? Because I wasn't a huge NFL fan. And I watched that and literally week, I think it was week one or week two, I can't remember which week it was, they played the Bears. It was the Bears home opener at Lambeau, the alumni game. And I was sitting at Lambeau Field watching a damn football game. Like, how did I get up here? <laughs> but it's awesome. just uh, – this season was so much fun to watch, man. But, yes, watch it one more time. Blast through. Barry with the pancake. He's off to the races. Um, yeah. So, like I said, you brought up the fact that Amon Green, it was his birthday. And uh, I said, let's pull up an Amon Green highlight here. And bang. This is what popped up. 98 yards. I went, I remember this play. Look at the Lambeau lead too, man. You love, love it. See. No big deal. Just a casual first and 10 from your own, you know, end zone yeah. going for a tutter. And shout out to Mike Wall, man, playing right guard there, too. Let's see what he does on this play. I'm pretty sure he's in right here. He stayed healthy that whole year, I'm pretty sure. There's your center, right? So let's see if we can put an arrow on Wall. 
And let's just see if we can key in right here. You can barely see his hat, right? Let's see what he does on this play. Okay, just key in right there, and let's see what we got here. Let me go slow motion. Super slow motion. All right, fires off. Let's see what he does. So he helps double, right? And then the center can get to the second level, which I think that was actually Marco Rivera playing center. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it looks like 68 right there. Yeah, that's definitely 68 in there. I love it. Oh, yeah, dude. Beautiful play, man. Gosh, I could watch this stuff all day. People on the pods like, Clayton, we can't see it. Stop. You know, that's a, that's a great example, though, of uh, what we talk about with um, you can draw up whatever the heck you want. You got your guys got to go out there and execute. And oh, it, absolutely. I mean, we had 11 guys execute on that play. It was absolutely perfect. Yeah, definitely, man. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that little U71 bacon. You can't you can't talk about U71 bacon without talking about a mind green, just absolutely rewriting the, the books there in, in 03, running all over the NFL, man. So much fun to watch. Power, like you said, cutting ability, Tim, no wasted motion, speed, burst, acceleration, everything, dude. Um, man, I, I remember playing Madden back then, and, and I was in 22I 90% of the time. Just running the ball down people's running running the ball down the computer's throat with uh, our boy Amon Green for sure. So uh, he was just um, built like perfectly too, you know. Oh, like yeah, it's like you know not not the biggest, not a big power back, but not a small you know shifty back. He was like both. The guy was just tough to tackle, great ball carrier, absolutely just phenomenal runner, man. So yeah. I, happy birthday, Amon. Thank you, you for, thank you for the memories, seriously. <laughs> seriously, man. It, yeah, just uh, one of the greatest in Packers history for sure. Uh, Badger Trio re-upped as a member of the PTA Posse. Appreciate you, Badger. Good to see you in there, buddy. And, uh, yeah, by the way, um, the winner of the Jaden Reed autograph card, first place was Gaylord. Second was Ryan Okray. Third was Noah P. We've already heard from Noah P. So if I don't hear from Gaylord or Ryan Okray by tonight, we're going to go ahead and mail that out to Noah P. He would be the winner of the autographed Jaden Reed rookie card that was donated by our good buddy, United Bates. Appreciate him, obviously. Jay in the chat says, member of the PTA posse as well, says, uh, four and 12, talking about Favre and Aaron, were magicians with their play fakes. Love seeing it. Love seeing it pass down to 10. Talking about Jordan Love. Completely agree, man. He's, he's kind of doing everything, everything uh, in a similar fashion that those two Hall of Famers. Have. There's no doubt about that, man. We got Emilio in here now. Look at my man just rolled out of bed. What's up, Emilio? Emilio! <laughs> what would you, you say? What did you say? Ten forty-five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I got up a little earlier. I need the beauty sleep. You know what I'm saying, bro? We cracked up. I got in here and I seen the chat. And I went Emilio up early because it said early bird gets the worm. Then I looked at the timestamp. Like, <laughs> it was like last night at midnight. Ten oh five or something. Like what in the world, man? Anyway, you just missed the chalk talk segment. I closed everything out. No, you're good. I saw I I pulled it up when I was getting out of bed. I saw him on I'm on take it to the house. Let me ask you this because there's there's different systems that are different, different coaches. They actually change up the number system too from time to time, depending on the level of play. What would you have called that numerically where it was the the fullback led left, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were going B gap left. But it was a misdirection right. What would you have given that number out of an eye formation? What it would you probably would have been uh it's going to the halfback. It probably if he went because the mom went to the right side, right? Yes, correct. So it probably would have been like a 24 trap. We, 24 we would have called it something like that. Uh lead 24 trap. Um uh, 31 trap would have been the fullback getting it, right? Right, right. And it's um, crazy too, because I've dug into some other offenses and they had in an eye formation a set the running back, the tailback being the four. Hmm. And I was really? like, that's really strange. I've never heard that before. So, and maybe that has something to do with there being three backs on the field or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. Because um, there could have been more to offset. I didn't want to spend too much time on it. But, yeah, you kind of confirmed what I was thinking, too, as far as it being a, a 23. Now, I've also heard that trap is when you have an offensive lineman blocked down, right? That's true, too. Um, yeah, so maybe it might not. It might, what might, did you call it? I, I, the only thing I, I just said misdirection, but okay. I think what it probably would have been seeing that even is right. I probably would have called it 24 misdirection or 24. Right. You know, you can't call counter because you don't have a pulling offensive lineman. I would love to see what Mike Wall actually called it. I might tag him in that tweet and say, hey, what would you guys have called this play? 
Yeah, uh, that'd probably be the best way to get that the answer there. So I may do that. I may reach out to him, ask him. So um, good stuff, man. Appreciate you jumping on here with us for sure. Oh, yeah, uh, Badger gosh. Trio says Green is such an awesome guy. He streams gaming now. Yeah, he's big, big into into uh, online gaming for sure. Uh, Badger Trio says he talks to everyone. Mike Wall, I know Mike Wall and him are really good friends, and I just love the interaction they have, the fact that they stay connected and they do podcasting together from time to time. They don't do as much as they used to. Obviously, life gets in the way, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, absolutely love it. So you're saying both our running backs do this? John Deere Green. On a hot summer night, he rode Billy Bob loves Charlene. A.J. Dillon. Carrying on the tradition, isn't he? We need I it. don't know if Oman does uh, a lot of farming simulators. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Uh, no doubt about it. He was a big – I remember when I was watching football back then, he was a big Batman fan. He loved Batman, oh. like the Marvel stuff. So hey, We could be wrong, though. He's from Nebraska, right? There's a lot of corn out in Nebraska, right? And sometimes you need a helping hand on the farm. I'm yeah, just saying. You never know. know. How funny would it be AJ Dillon go live streaming Pharma Simulator and all of a sudden the camera pan out and Amon Green's sitting next to him with a hat on to <laughs> I would kill for it, man. Absolutely kill for it. All right, let's do this. We got a history segment we're going to hit on and then we're going to get out of here. On time, we're doing it, guys. Let's we're going to pick up where we left off. Again, this is the, the Packers Legacy documentary. You can find it for free on their YouTube channel. Um, make sure you go find it, like it, share it. There needs to be more people that knows this documentary exists because I'm telling you, the Packers, Cliff Crystal, everybody knocked this out of the freaking park. We're on episode one. We're just kind of doing watch-alongs with it. But we're going to pick up here uh, talking about a rain game and how they had insurance in case – it, it the weather got so bad that the crowd didn't show up. The insurance policy would cover them, and you'll see how they come up a little short on that. It'll carry us into the Andrew Turnbull introduction, uh, someone who was very famous uh, with uh, with the with the Packers in the twenties, as well as how the local businesses kind of rose up. And I think you might actually hear about your first stock drive here, or at least the first time that the team called on local businessmen in Green Bay, like, "Hey, we need help here." And this is kind of the beginning, if you will, of the Packers becoming a publicly owned team. But Curly took the hat off and passed the hat around when everybody right, right. threw some. <laughs> threw some you see, you see that too in Leatherheads, man. I'm telling you, have, have you guys seen Leatherheads? Either of you? I have, but and not in a long time. Yeah, I gotta yeah, rewatch it. The amount you're talking about it, I gotta rewatch it. Since we, since we are doing this episode here, now's the time to watch it. You'll see it. You'll you'll see the big young offensive lineman that we just talked about. The big there. dude. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll see when you see the manager. You go, that's George Calhoun right there. That's George Calhoun. And of course, like I said, uh, our boy, uh, God, what's his name? The actor, uh, George Clooney. George mm-hmm. Clooney just being the playboy like like Lambo was. You he people catch him in lies all the time in the movie. I'm telling you, man, it's it's Lambo, it's Calhoun, and then it's Buck, the offensive lineman. But uh, all right, let's check out this history segment. Like I said, let's kind of look into the business side of how the Packers became their first steps, the early stages of becoming a publicly owned team. On November 5th, the Packers face off against the Columbus Panhandlers at Hagemeister Park. Packers had an insurance policy. If you got so much rain, they would pay a certain amount of money to compensate you for the loss of that revenue. Unfortunately, that game, the rain did not amount quite to the what the insurance policy stated. $1,500 lost. Rain falls three one-hundredths of an inch short of the amount needed for the Packers to collect on their insurance. So the Packers couldn't profit from that. Survival looks bleak. Survival always looks bleak. The deep in debt Packers look to their rivals. The Packers wanted the Bears to play on Thanksgiving Day. George Hallis said, our team will come up there if you can raise $4,000 as a guarantee. That was a lot of money. Packers were not gonna be able to do that. So instead they scheduled Duluth. That day arrived and there's another rainstorm. The Duluth paper described it as a 12-hour rainfall. Curly Lambeau, George Whitney Calhoun, should we play the game? Andrew Turnbull told him that if they didn't play the game, it would be the end of pro football in Green Bay. He said, I'll back you up as far as the losses you'll incur in the game, but you got to play that game because if you don't, your credibility is not going to be there. He told him that if they played, once the season was over, He'd try to galvanize the community to get behind the team. 
As feared, only a few hundred people are on hand. The game is another financial disaster. They played the game, Green Bay won. That was not that important. What was important was Turnbull made good on his promise. The result shapes one of the most remarkable business stories in history. Turnbull and a local attorney by the name of John Kill call a meeting a local businessman. Andrew Turnbull and some other business people came up with the idea of issuing stock on the team. The plan is, right from the start, to create some kind of a corporation that turns out to be a public corporation, a nonprofit corporation, to save the franchise, to keep it in Green Bay. And it became a community-owned team that was huge. And they issued 1,000 shares, around $5 a piece, and raised 5,000. The share of stock was 5 bucks, but you also got season tickets. That was enough money to keep the team going. They just wanted donations, basically from the businessmen of Green Bay. It didn't take very long for them to realize that the Packers were something that could bring Green Bay some notoriety. Over the course of the next nine months, they created the Green Bay Football Corporation prior to the 1923 season. There was the whole aspect of it being shareholder-owned rather than by an individual. That's always made this team um, special in terms of ownership. If a single owner had gotten control of the Packers, the team would not be here. Strong for now. In 1923, the team moves on to Bellevue Park. Bellevue was primarily a baseball field, and they converted it to football for the 23 and 24 seasons, but it wasn't ideal for football. Then they move into New City Stadium, new being 1925. Started out as a 5,000-seat stadium eventually grew into a 25,000-seat stadium. One of the guys who helped build it was Curly Lambeau's dad. He was a carpenter. When I was a young kid, my dad took me to games at City Stadium. When we passed through the turnstile, he only had money for one ticket. So the turnstile guy said, double up. You don't want to pay to go see the Packers when you're a kid. We went under, over, or through the fence. You just scoop a little uh, dirt uh, uh, from under the two by four and we could belly under there. We'd crawl up uh, between the risers and the bleachers and sit in the stands. We always took a blanket because those seats at City Stadium, they're all splinters. Even though it was the wooden seats, it was the Packers, our Packers, you know. They had no toilet facilities. The men, they all went down at halftime underneath the stands and did their job. And the women, they had to hold it until they got home. A lot of teams loved to play in Green Bay because it was a football field. We always played in baseball stadiums. Here you played in the football natural grass. I'm an usher. I'm right back of the Packer bench, 40-yard line. My idols are sitting right there. I could almost spit on them. And on Tuesday or Wednesday, a check arrived from the Packers for $2.50. Not only could I see my idols, I got paid. I got paid for it. I saw every home game. We saw some great games in the, in the old city stadium in the 20s. That's what made professional football, at least got it off the ground with the Bear Packers series. That's where the rivalry, which was so critical to the Packers' survival, came of age. Hallis pacing up one side of the stadium Lambo smoking cigarettes and pacing on the other side and sending their warriors in. It was never really appreciated. It was always criticized for what it wasn't, but that's where the Packers came of age. The remainder of the decade, while other small-town teams struggle and perish, the Packers begin to flourish. The NFL cut from 22 to 12 teams, almost in half. It's amazing how we survived, but, but Joe Carr saw Green Bay was that one small city that he did not want to eliminate. Green Bay survived, Milwaukee didn't. You think about Dayton Triangles, Rochester Jeffersons, Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, Pottsville Maroons. These teams are all gone, but the Packers did survive. They survived because Curly Lambeau built a powerful football team. The final seasons of the Packers' first decade are dubbed the Iron Man era of pro football. You can't take away anything from those gentlemen who played in the 1920s, 
they played 60 minutes, offense, defense. Toughness. They epitomize what this game is all about. Toughness, dedication, desire, love of, camaraderie. All those things. All 11 that started the game finished the game. You didn't have the scouting system that you have today. So a lot of times, uh, Lambo would scout himself. I can't imagine how he got some of these guys to come up here and play, but he did. And they were exceptional players. He was bringing players to Green Bay who probably never even heard of Green Bay until they heard from Curly Lambo. There was no draft then. You just brought players in and you signed them to your team. All right, there you go. Curly just said, hey, I got a carton of cigarettes and a case of beer. Come on up, play some ball. Hey, which is funny because the the whole we're going to get in the next episode. I think we're going to get into some of the specific players, the Johnny Bloods, the Cal Hubbards, all those guys. The Johnny Blood contract was freaking hilarious. Like Curly told him, I can't remember the exact number, but we'll 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 hear it in the doc at some point. He basically said, "I'll give you you know whatever ten dollars a game, okay, if you uh, if you play for us, but if you don't drink after right. Friday." I'll give you $15 a game. And he was like, just give me the $10. Yep. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So I love it, man. Absolutely love it. Uh, I know people in the chat, they they like the doc too, man. Um, yeah, Badger Trio says, uh, what what is amazing about the Packers history is how other NFL teams help one another. Bears owner giving Packers money. You would never see that again. So true, man. So true. And uh, Badger Trio said, I watch all these when this came out. Such an amazing job by the Packers on this it's it's a phenomenal, absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, Imagine playing both ways for sixty minutes. I mean, you played both ways in high school, but that's yeah. not the same. <laughs> absolutely, man. Tim Spangler said this is all new to me. See, that was the goal too. Like mm-hmm. when we're showing this stuff, I want to you know get bits and pieces and us react to it, us talk about it, let's dive a little deeper. Uh, but also, I want to get more and more Packer fans turned on to that documentary because I'm telling you. The, the amount of people that's reached out to me in email, text message, and been like, I had no idea this existed. It's it's criminal. Like, let's right. get out there and spread the word so everybody watches this doc, man. It's just absolutely awesome. So um, there you go. With that being said, we're getting out of here on time, boys. Look, Look at, at that. Us. Look at us growing up, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, go around the horn. Tim, what, what else you got, buddy? Um, no, yeah, go watch the uh, the documentary. Look it up, um, and also get the get uh, Cliff Crystal's book too if you get a chance. Go so to the uh, Packers Pro Shop, uh, order it online, uh, have it shipped to the house. It's totally worth it. Um, I'm working on getting my second copy. I got one that I'm leaving sealed up and unopened, and got one that I'm rifling through and reading. But um, that's basically you hit it on the head yesterday, Clayton. That's really what that Packers documentary series is. It's like Cliff Crystal's books. Uh, brought into a video form and, you know, Kevin Harlan narrating. It's great. And uh, it's so cool that we're able to just show a little uh, bits and pieces here throughout the off season. But uh, if you guys get some time on your own too, make sure you check it out for sure. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Kevin Harlan is Bob Harlan's son, I believe, right, Tim? It's Bob Harlan. So. Yeah. Bob Harlan obviously used to be the, uh, the CEO, acting president, whatever you want to call it there with the Packers who, I mean, he's he's the reason that Lambeau Field got refurbished the way it did. I'm pretty sure Kevin Harlan is his son who does the Packers preseason play-by-play and uh, then obviously or his TV broadcast, and he does some other work with Westwood One and everything. One of the best radio voices in, I mean, in all of football for sure. Love Just made it. history over the Super Bowl weekend too. Um, I believe it was uh, his daughter called uh, – was uh, doing uh, – reporting for the game they became the first father-daughter duo to call nice. a super bowl so that's pretty cool yeah definitely man uh badger trio said kevin is a gift the broadcasting packers are lucky to have him as their guy absolutely man uh you know anytime anytime that they're on the call him and it, it seemed like it was him and rich gannon were kind of partnered up together for a while um, I would prefer, honestly, I would prefer him over anyone else in TV. That includes, you know, I know Romo's catching a lot of flack. I think Romo does a good job giving insight personally. I know people don't like him talking so much. I'm actually like, okay, what what is he seeing here? Because it's through the eyes of a former NFL quarterback. Um, it, he's one of the guys that I actually, it's funny that most of the time I mute the broadcast, but when Romo and Nance are calling, I actually listen. And then I hear everybody else bashing Romo. I'm like, man, I'm I'm always in a minority with these opinions. <laughs> <laughs> about it. But Emilio, what do you got, buddy? 
Uh, no, you, you, Tim, and uh, you hit it on the head there. We're just lucky that it's, it's, you know, it's all recorded. We can go back and watch it. Remember when we were talking, you know, Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee, we're going to be able to go back in 10, 15 years and see what it's like. We're going back, you know, I don't know how long this has been. It's already been out 10 or 15 years. So, um, you know, being able to, to just soak that back in and being able to watch those old games and, and all that tape, man, it's just, it's crazy to see that where they came from and, and uh, you know, that working class, and uh, they just supported them, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. Jay in the chat said, thanks for sharing this, guys, learning new things. I learned – I'm telling you, that's one of those docs, too, that the more you watch it, the more you uncover. It's not like, well, I've heard of this, I've heard of that. It, you'll find little bits and pieces if you're really paying attention mm-hmm. as you watch it more often. Uh, Tim Spangler said, God bless everyone. Right back at you, buddy. Appreciate you hanging out with us this morning. So, all right, we're out of here, guys. We'll be back tonight. As of right now, we're planning on being back for PTA Live when something changes. I'll let you guys know. But uh, we'll be back tonight to hit a little more history, talk a little more Packers. And it could be any day now we might start doing some some restructured contracts dropping in. We got by Monday, right? We got to know something by Monday, roughly. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the when, especially with Keyshawn Nixon, I think the 19th was the deadline by the end of the day on the 19th. So you'll probably hear something from him. Like I said, last year, Aaron Jones's contract got restructured on the 17th. So it should be any second now. So that's why we're hitting some of this history stuff, guys, in little small spurts. Is when it's when it's dead time, we're going to hit that, and we can pull up former plays, do the chalk talk on it. We're also going to walk back through some of our top plays from 2023 throughout the offseason and do chalk talk on them, and just a little more laid back chalk talk type approach. So, uh, yeah, like Badger Trio points out too, man, got the combine in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Let's go, man, going to be plenty to talk about. Oh yeah. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those of you in the chat, thank you all so much. You always make this show go. Badger Trio re-upping as a member of our PTA Posse here, a YouTube member. If you're interested in that and to be entered into some of the giveaways we got coming up, you just click on our homepage on YouTube, click join. That'll send you uh, to the instructions, everything, how to sign up as a member of the PTA Posse. I know we got several people that that upped as, as like advanced members. We got like three different tiers. I need to create some special stuff for you guys. I know you do it just to support the stream, but we want to make sure that we're giving back to you all for doing that because you guys are awesome. So uh, with that being said, we'll see you tonight for, like I said, PTA Live. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pat Go.